What do you love about being outside and active? I'm, I'm sure I've spent more time outdoors than in. That just feels like home. Enjoy what you can do because you never know what is around the corner. Just being outdoors in the fresh air, it just clears my mind. Fully immersed in nature is what brings me the most joy. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast where this week I am joined by adventurer, author and hunted star Jordan Wiley. Jordan is an extreme adventurer, a best-selling author and is also one of the stars of Channel 4's Hunted and Celebrity Hunted. He has run through the most dangerous countries in the world raising hundreds of thousands for charity and has even taken on incredible challenges like climbing Kilimanjaro barefoot. The former soldier, who is also the UK National Ambassador for Army Cadets, ran 15 marathons in 15 days in 15 national parks of the United Kingdom in 2019 to promote getting outside and running for better mental health. In this episode, I also speak to Jordan about his own battles and experience with anxiety and mental well-being. I thoroughly enjoyed recording this podcast with Jordan and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Without further ado, let's head straight into this episode with Jordan Wiley. Jordan, welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. How are you doing? Hey, Dom, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm great, thank you very much. We, uh, all good, my side. Well, we were just, just quickly chatting before you came on and in, you know, taking a tight bit of time out from adventures and doing a bit of DIY, which is, uh, you were saying, maybe not quite your forte? It's, it's far from my forte. Um, in fact, my missus does a lot more DIY than I do. She puts me to shame in that department. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with tools. <laughs> well, well it, it's good to know that your advice at the end of the podcast will not be, well, it's likely to not be about DIY. Um, so looking <laughs> well, forward to... if it to... is, you want to ignore it, that's for sure. <laughs> I like that. Um, but we're going to kick off the episode by me offering you the piece of advice that uh, a previous guest has left, and I don't know who they're leaving it for. And this advice comes from the lovely Flora Beverly, who's an ultra runner and fitness and food influencer. Um, And she gave this advice, and she gave it because it's a piece of advice that she gives to herself because she's a, a type A person and she can be quite hard on herself. And her advice is, don't get caught up in your head about whether you're good enough to be doing something. If you're having fun then that's enough. And I guess the question leading on from that is, how do you take that advice? But have you ever found yourself in a position where you're maybe going into a challenge or an adventure where you feel like you're in over your head or maybe not prepared um, into that adventure you're going into? Uh, well, I, I think it's brilliant advice. I think for anyone anyone who's listening, I think that, that's absolutely golden advice there. So, uh, and I absolutely yeah try, try my best to live by that mantra. I, I hope as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely I definitely often take on things where I would say I'm going knowingly into the unknown to to a certain degree. Um, you, you know, you, you, that's one of the magical things though about adventures for me. It's it's you know you you do your preparation of course, and and most importantly. A bit, a bit like what was said there. It's as long as you're having fun, and I'd probably caveat that with, and it's safe, um, it, or you've done a risk assessment. I think that you know, go out there and, and and conquer the world. And you know, everybody's got their own dreams and goals and challenges, and and and, and no two are ever the same. But often, you know, I, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. But for example, trying to paddleboard around Great Britain. If I if I'd have known what I was going into, I probably wouldn't have set off in the first place because it was that imagine. ridiculous. Um, so, so I, I think I think sometimes you've got to be, you know, sort of naive enough to start, and then and probably stubborn enough to want to continue and keep going. Um, uh, but if you knew everything, I don't, you know, I don't think it'd be as much fun anyway. Uh, wherever you go in the world. Another piece of advice that we've had before, actually, that I just maybe think of when you were saying that is, someone says when they're adventuring, sometimes they just want to plan less. I mean, does that? plan less and and just sometimes just set off and and see what happens i mean when you're taking on big adventures and guinness world record challenges i imagine there actually has to be quite a lot of like you said safety and planning around it but do you ever just try and plan less and see what happens 
I think it's. I think it depends on the nature of the, the the particular adventure. I think, for example, if you're going out for for for, for an adventure, you know, at the weekend or uh, you know, coming up or whatever. I, I think, yeah, absolutely, go and see where the mountains or, or the rivers or whatever it is takes you. But I think if you're planning a major expedition, um, you, you know, you have to put in a lot of, of of risk control measures. You have to think about things like sponsors and partners and logistics and maybe support team members. So. You, you know, for a big expedition, I'm planning a year in advance. So, so there is a lot of a lot of things to think about, and and especially when when you're working with with brands or companies or or or, or, sp- or sponsors, so to speak, you have a lot of deliverables that that you've probably promised that you need to to deliver on. So, I I think planning is quite important in that respect because. Otherwise, if you don't deliver on what you've promised, they're probably not going to sponsor you again, and it's not going to be a great success from a, a sort of a, a media or a PR perspective. Um, so I, I spend a lot of time on, on planning expeditions, and um, I, I think that's really important. But I think context is everything. If I'm going out for the weekend with my daughter, you know, I'll, I'll jump in the in the VW and see where where we end up. And and and, and absolutely, I agree in in that respect. This next question is one that we ask to everyone that comes on the podcast, and it's purposefully quite vague because I like hearing what in what direction people take it but what do you love about being outside and active what do i love about being outside and active i think firstly it's it's what it does for my mental well-being i think just the outdoors in general you know whether it's the countryside which which i would call sort of green therapy or it's the lakes the rivers the oceans which is my blue therapy i just think it gives you such an amazing feel good factor that you don't find anywhere else in the world um, and and i'm not saying you have to go to you know antarctica or the arctic or the himalayas i'm i'm saying going down to your local national park you know for me it's in in hampshire in in maybe the new forest or whether it's the lake district it's just that feel good factor the endorphin release the being at one with nature it, it's so special and it has so many benefits both physically and mentally and it's it's like the best medicine in the world really that, that still should be i don't know why it's not like prescribed everywhere as just go and have a run or a walk or a swim it, it should be what doctors uh, you know it, it should be like in the chemist you should you should be yeah. able to bottle that up and, and give it out i think <laughs> looking at your um, social media and particularly in your Instagram bio I'm really interested at what point does an adventurer become an extreme adventurer <laughs> it's a great question I think at the point where you need to uh, tap up as many sponsors as possible to support <laughs> these crazy expeditions yeah <laughs> that's probably the honest answer but um, I, I, I like to think that <clears throat> I think most most of my adventures are are extreme in the sense that that that, that most people aren't probably going to go and take them on or, or, or try them. You know, it's it's quite a big commitment to go to somewhere. You know, to, to run a marathon on every continent or, or or as I say, you know, row across a dangerous stretch of water yeah. or paddle around Britain. They're not they're not something that you can just go and do on a weekend. So to me, they're quite extreme, and to most people, they're quite extreme. And and I think in terms of standing out in a very crowded marketplace it's it, it's it's important to to sort of yeah it's you know when when you're dealing as i say with again coming back to, to I, I try I, i'm an adventurer for a living so i have I, my income relies on being able to to brand myself in in in, in certain ways and yeah. i'm you know I, i'll be the first to admit that i'm i'm not the fittest the fastest the best at anything i do i'm i'm but but i give it my all and i i try to do it with sort of humility and i try to do it for good causes and I'm I, I'm in a world where there are some really incredible people, and I don't class myself as one of those. I'm quite an ordinary person that tries to take on pretty extraordinary challenges, and and I like to think that by me doing that, I can show other people that anyone can do it. But you have got to dedicate the time and 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 put you know the make the choices and decisions or sacrifices, whatever you want to call them. But but I'm nobody special, and I don't think I am in any way. I'm I'm, I'm no different than anyone else. I'm I always say I'm a I'm an adventurer. I'm not an athlete. I still love a beer and a pizza at the end of it. At the end of the day, that is exactly <laughs> what I want to hear, <laughs> and probably what a lot of people will be listening as well. Go, yeah, well, John's just like us. Do you want to go out on an adventure on the weekend? And then, like I said have a beer and pizza at the end of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but I think if you are thinking of a big adventure, I think also it's important to say that, you know, you have to believe in yourself and and and, and a lot of people, they want to do big things and great things, but they, they haven't necessarily got the self-belief. And I think, especially if you're, I speak to a lot of young people these days who are trying to pursue careers as, as adventurers, you know, it's it's it, it's a viable career path, which which might seem strange to a lot of people, but 
you know, but what you have to absolutely do from from the start is believe in yourself because a lot of people won't believe in you. You'll get so many knockbacks and 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 people turn away or or, or dismiss your your grand ideas. And I, I spend most of my life knocking on doors that that don't open. But you have to have that sort of perseverance, that resilience, just to keep pushing forward. And and something will give way eventually. But as I say, you've got to believe in yourself before you try and convince the rest of the world to believe in you. And I think that's really important. I mean, you, you are involved and get involved with so many different things. And we're going to try and meander through as many of those as possible and get your insight into, into that. But let's wind back to 16 years old and the Jordan that joined the military. I mean, where were you and who were you at that point? Yeah, at 16, you know, life was um, very different. It, it, you know, I, I'm ironically these days, I'm a bit of a, a champion of education, uh, but at 16, I certainly didn't have one. You know, I, I'd... I had not applied myself at school, which I'm 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 not proud of at all. I'm quite uh, quite ashamed of that because what I've come to learn, having travelled the world both as a as a soldier and as an adventurer, is that actually to have access to education is one of the greatest privileges for for a young person. So, you know, I, I as I say, I'm quite embarrassed that I didn't apply myself, which meant I left school with no no GCSEs or any qualifications, formal qualifications, which was which is quite tragic, and. I was I was often as well. Um, I was up to no good. Um, I was often in trouble with the with the law. You know, not for anything serious, but just being a nuisance really uh, to society uh, back home. In you know, I grew up in a council estate in the northwest in Blackpool, and we'd get up to no good because for me, I I I struggled to learn in a classroom. For me. Being in a classroom was a bit like being in a in a jail cell or something. It was like you're enclosed, you're trapped. You, you just want to get outside in the fresh air. And 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 for me, it just didn't work. And most of the skills and things that I've learned in life have been in in the great outdoors. And you know, so I, I was quite limited in terms of opportunities at 16 because I didn't apply myself when all my friends were going to you know college, university, and 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 so on. I. I, I was quite limited and, and I ended up joining the army at 16 and not because I had this big dream of, of being a soldier like a lot of people. It was more uh, more really out of, of lack of other opportunities for me in, in, at the time. And I've always loved traveling. I've loved the outdoors. I love sport. And the army seemed a, you know, a, a great opportunity for someone who didn't have that many opportunities. And it was, it was brilliant. It was, it was for me the you know, a life-changing decision because I, I, I got to do all the things that I love and I also had to grow up quite quickly and it sort of, I guess it, it got rid of that little naughty, cocky teenager quite quickly within me that, that needed that needed to be put on the straight and narrow. Um, so I'm, I'm a big champion of the armed forces as well because it, it, it taught me, it taught me most of all, I think, values i think values and standards and things like respect things like courage integrity discipline loyalty selfless commitment all these great character traits that you want people to have i i, I didn't I, I didn't have them and and that's not from any fault of my parents or anything it was just because i was I think I was a product of the environment, you know, that, that, that I grew up in, in terms of the people I would surround myself with both in school or outside school. And I think that's a really important, again, for anyone listening, I think not just as a child growing up, but as an adult, you know, I, I often see friends in, in things like jobs or relationships that, that, that are very negative and they don't want to be in and, and it brings you down and, 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 and it sends you on, on the wrong path sometimes. So you always got to be looking around you and making sure that you're surrounded by, by the right and the positive influence. I think and I think as I've got older I've become more brutal in that sense that if you're negative or you're bringing negative energy into my circle I, I'm not interested I want out very quickly and, and it doesn't matter to me if you're a, a great friend or a family member I try to really distance myself from from anything that's gonna 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 weigh me down for, for, for negative reasons but joined the army 10 years in the army traveled the world uh, from 16 and and as i say yeah one of the best decisions that i ever made but but i i think as the, the biggest thing i took from it as um uh, as well as the travel and the adventure was 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 the values that it taught me i think and are these the messages that when you go back and talk to the acf of which you're a national ambassador for are these you know you're, you're inspiring you're talking to the next generation of people that may be you know kids that at 16 years old may have had similar experiences to you are these the things that you tell them about, you know, to, to really throw themselves into it? And no matter what, as maybe their experiences have been before that, that these this is a massive opportunity and, and to learn those set of values that maybe happen to yourself? 
Well, 100%. Yeah, you know, that's the messages that I want to spread. Um, because a lot of people think that when, when, when they see you on things like TV or, or in, in the media, they think that you're, 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 you're a world apart from where they are. But actually, when you go back in, you know, often one of the first slides actually in my presentation in a, in a school or a youth club is, is, a, is a jail cell that I was in on my sort of 15th birthday, you know, uh, for being an, up to no good and being a naughty teenager. Um, and that's really a bit of an eye opener for because I, I love I love going into areas that are, are challenging, that are deprived, where kids think they know better. And I, I see a lot of those kids in me when I was that age, and and they're the, they're my favourite ones. People, a lot of teachers don't like those sorts of students because right. they are they, they cause them a, a nightmare and a headache. Um, but for me, they're the ones that you can really have a a powerful impact on and make a difference. And and, and I I think we just what I've come to learn is we need role models for young people and. We live in a, a culture today that is, is, you know, where we've sort of glorified celebrity status with all these, you know, ridiculous reality shows that are on every night of the week. And there's a lot of famous people that are, that are often, and not everyone, but often quite uninspiring. And, 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 and I do think we lack role models in society. You know, years ago, 20, 30 years ago, people wanted to be police officers, nurses, doctors, fo even footballers and, and, and whatever. But now they, they want to be an influencer. They want to be a YouTuber and, and whatever else it is. And, and, and I just think, we, we, you know, we need to have a bit, give them a bit of perspective because it's, it's, it's tough for young people. They grew up and they're growing up in a world that we didn't know that, that, that you, you know, I, I, I'm not hopefully not super old, but the Internet wasn't around when I was <laughs> uh, just coming in certainly when I was at school, but things like social media having a real adverse effect on a lot of young people's lives as well, because we've, we've got this sort of comparison culture where nobody thinks they're good enough or, or it's very easy to be, to be, to be famous or to be rich or whatever it is. And, and there's not really any substance to a lot of these things. And, you know, and, but actually looking at career paths that, that will not only, you know, may, maybe give you a good life or pay you well, but actually give you a sense of, of fulfillment internally you know, I, I think we've, we've 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 become used. I'm going on a bit of a tangent now, but we've become used to this sort of instant gratification through social media, and it's 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 quite a dangerous environment, I think, for young people to be in. If I'm honest, well, there's it's information overload as well. I mean, for every one thing that you see that might be of use and might be valid, there's twenty, thirty things that is just nonsense and nothing. And like you said, there's a real for young people growing up. Um, seeking validation and, and comparing yourselves to people and trying to seek for something that might be maybe out of out of reach sometimes. I mean, I had a really interesting conversation when with Ray Mears when he, he I was fortunate enough to chat to him on this podcast and he had a, got into talking about social media in a similar way that we were here and he said, no, I just, I mean, he's such a traditionalist with the outdoors and so I just don't get involved with, any of that you know people go on his courses and want to take selfies and say that they've met him and he's like no you're here to learn about adventure and the outdoors and wilderness wilderness bushcraft and social media has had a a real as much as there can be a lot of positive impacts from it it's a really tough place to be sometimes no it's it's a tough place but 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 it's the future whether we like it or not it's, it's the here and now and we have to we have to find balance i would say i'm not saying get rid of social media because that's just never going to happen but but yeah. we have to find balance and and we also have to understand the challenges and risks or young people certainly do because a lot you know I've, I've worked with a lot of young people whose lives have been turned upside down and tragically even people have lost lives as a result of of things that have been heard or said online and um, it, it's not cool. It's not good. And we need to do more. There needs to be more accountability as well. And I think people who I've always believed that if you've got a profile of any sort, whether it's a small one like me or it's a super big one, like, you know, some of these A-listers, I think you have to, you have a responsibility to the world, to society, to use it for, for positive purpose, you know, not, not just to try and sell the latest product or give a discount code or whatever it might be. Try and try and inspire, try and educate, try and encourage, try and use it for something that's going to help make a positive impact on, on, on the next generation who are looking in. Um, yeah, I think, I think we have a, a responsibility and there's not enough accountability for, for so-called, you know, influencers and things like that. Well, I found it interesting looking through your Instagram. I mean, like like you said, then you're, you're very active on social media, but using it a lot to, to to offer support and and talk about things that you're passionate about. And there's there's also a lot of imagery and you around close to water in water. I mean, has water always been something that you connect with and a 
I guess, offers you a sense of freedom. Yeah, I love water. I think I think water more so than you know than the countryside or mountains or anything. Uh, which are, it's just something about it. I don't know. It's got. I'm not spiritual or anything like that, but it's got some kind of soothing tendencies that that just take me to another place. And it doesn't matter if I'm you know wild swimming in the local river or, or, or paddleboarding, or, you know, surfing, whatever it might be. Just being in a, even even walking down the coast, you know, like a coastline mm. form of Blackpool River. There's something quite magical about that, and I, I've all, I also found when I was paddling around the UK that the people who live next to the sea they have a, a, a they, they they have a spirit of adventure that you don't find in cities as well. That they they have a different mindset and outlook on life. People who live on the coast, and yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm always drawn back to the to, to the sea. I don't know if it's being a Blackpool kid or something, but I always want to be as close to the water as possible. Um, it's it's a magical place. I mean, I might be trying to force a connection here, but is that the reason that when you went into maritime security or was that just a, a different set of circumstances no uh, no no def- definitely not no no i don't <laughs> yeah you, if, if you want to do peaceful things on the water don't go and fight pirates so that's i don't recommend that um but no that to be honest that was just another opportunity that that, that came my way and um you know as a, i was a frontline soldier in the army so uh, uh, there aren't many jobs for people who who shoot guns for a living uh, in the civilian world and but one of the jobs where you can one of one of the career paths that you can get a job very quickly is in private armed security because you've obviously spent a long time dealing with weapons and and hostile situations so it wasn't necessarily the career path that I wanted, but it, it provided a great opportunity again to travel to meet interesting people um, and and I guess live a bit on the edge as well well yeah you you say that there was i mean the frightening experience of being confronted by Somali pirates. Tell me about that experience and finding yourself almost in the front position of where you had to take control of things in that situation. Yeah, you know, it was um, it's, it's quite a long time ago now. You know, it's o- over well over a decade ago. But uh, you know, my job as a security team leader was to to advise the captain on on getting his vessel from sort of A to B safely. Um, and I was involved in a in, in a quite high profile incident uh, at the time, which which saw pirates board our ship. And on this particular vessel, we didn't have any weapons because we were the use of arms was prohibited by the the flag of the ship or the country that that, that applied the laws of the ship on on board and um we were we were supposed to be a sort of you know a, a normal job take the cargo in drop the cargo off and leave but as with anything in international shipping things get delayed and and what have you and what should have been a short period of time became quite a few hours turned into days and so on and you know we we we, we got woke up when we got hit by some armed armed pirates um off the coast of somalia just outside the port of mogadishu um and uh, and yeah if you want to find out what happens next there's a great book available uh, <laughs> in waterstones <laughs> um, i'm ruin the story but obviously i'm still here to tell the tale <laughs> yeah like and like you said it inspired a one one book of a few books that you've written as well i mean where is the motivation come for writing is that something that you've always been interested in obviously that experience influenced that book but you've written books on other things and other adventures as well is that something that you're really passionate about yeah no really you know actually I, I, I terrible at English at school again didn't get an English GCSE but um, what I did do actually uh, when I was in the army I, I went back to education so I even though I'd left school with no qualifications as a soldier I, I, I made a lot of um, I, I committed myself to education and, and, and to wanting to better myself. And I, I did my GCSEs, my A-levels. I, I went on to do a, a bachelor's degree and a master's degree as a soldier. And I, I had to do quite a lot of writing for my essays and things for that. And that was where I sort of picked up uh, be, that I could actually do some writing and put a string of sentence together. And I, I think as well as being outside, one of the things that's really helped my mental health was expressing myself through words through the written word on paper i i think that I, I think anyone can write a book i think everyone's got a book in them but i think also is very uh, therapeutic very tranquil to be able to to just write down what you think without having to talk to anyone and what you're what you were feeling or or, or whatever and then just say you know what that was me that was why that, that's mm. who i am and, and and you don't really have to answer any questions of course there'll always be critics and there'll be there'll be people who want to challenge things or whatever but that that's life you know i've, I've come to learn wherever you go in the world but it, it's a very 
cathartic experience writing i think um very therapeutic interesting that you said that you took the opportunity to go back and focus on education after you'd left school and obviously been in, gone into the military because uh, my mum my actually does some um support for examinations at uh, universities um, invigilation and she says yeah. the nerves on people's faces and they get themselves into such a stress because obviously it's a really important time and it, that you know get, doing as well as you can on in university or a levels and GCSE exams is is obviously very important but people see it might see it as the be all and end all of what they might go on to achieve whereas actually there's opportunities to educate yourself afterwards or go back into education and and it, I just found it interesting hearing you say about going back and upskilling yourself at a later point. What was your experience well, well, with that? Well, it's interesting as well because, uh, you know, and, and again, I, I'm not taking anything away from the sort of orthodox education yeah. system of, of going to school because it is incredibly important and an amazing opportunity for anyone who who has that opportunity. And and actually, there's nothing cool about going to, to, to college on a Tuesday night when all your friends are in the pub uh, in the army and you're going off to with, 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 your, with your textbooks and things. You know, I, can't, I remember the abuse I used to get for, <laughs> for going down to the college when all my friends were going on nights out. Um, but it, it sort of paid off in the long run. But I think... Also, when you learn as an adult in, in an educational context, you're learning because you want to learn, not mm -hmm. because you have to learn, uh, not because your mum's packed your sandwiches and sent you to school or whatever. You're actually learning because you you, you know you took it upon yourself that that, that that that's what you want to do, uh, as, as opposed to just going with the system. But I, 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 again, I say that. I've learned as much as I have in education through being in the great outdoors. So anyone who's not great at school or, or might not be great in a in an academic context, there is just as many opportunities outside of school uh, that, that can take you to as you know, you know to great places, and they certainly have for me. Interesting. Through this conversation, you've touched on the importance that adventure in the outdoors has played towards supporting your own mental health and mental well-being. And it seems that you've not been afraid to step away from social media and, and the things that you've been doing when you've been going through a difficult time. But, you know, how important is adventure and nature in when you are experiencing a dip of, you know, supporting you to build back up? Yeah, well, I, well, I, I think it, adventure, nature teaches us so many things, um, you, ha, ha, even just the basics of like taking risks. You know, I, mm. I, I think back to when I was a child and. When I think about the things that my daughter enjoys, she's a teenager now, she she didn't do half the things that I would have done as a kid. And I and even in a strange way, me as a parent probably wouldn't let her do the things that, you know, like even just like climbing trees or going camping or going fishing down the local river or whatever it would have been. They're things that I would have loved as a kid that kids don't seem to do anymore. Um and, and all those things, they taught me about independence. They taught me about taking a risk, about, you know, catching your dinner or whatever it might be, a bit of survival. And we, we, we just don't seem to have them any anymore. And, do you know, I was in last year before last, I was in I was doing a challenge, which was to run 10 marathons in the 10 coldest places on, on, on the planet. And it took me to some, as you can imagine, far fetched ends of the earth. And yeah. I remember I was in. I was doing the the Montaigne Yukon Marathon in northern Canada, and I remember meeting this little boy, and he must have been, I don't know, seven or eight years old, this little boy, and I remember it was like minus 40 degrees, it was absolutely freezing, and you know, me and my my friends who I was with, we were shivering, we were we were feeling the elements as we would do. And this little kid was like running around with 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 no top on and he he'd caught the fish that he was taking home for his family for the day, and he must have been, you know, he's a primary school kid. And I remember speaking to a guy in in a, in a bar in in Whitehorse in the Yukon that night, and he said, "Yeah, he said, you know, the the thing is with you people in the West, he said, you get cold or you need something to eat, you order a Domino's pizza or a takeaway, or you you flick on the light switch or the heating, but we have to survive in the extreme environments to live. And what what they what he was explaining to me what they have is like a like a warrior spirit that we don't really have in the West because they've had to live and breathe that from from the day they were born. And and I, I think there's something in that because we do, you know, if we if we get cold, we put on the heating or you know we don't think twice. Or whereas out there, you, you've got to be able to survive. And and we've we've really sort of wrapped our young people in in cotton wool a bit in, in that respect. And and that's because of things like technology advances and and 
and and even even just everything's so convenient for us these days. I, I read a, an article, I think it must have been last year, it was one of the supermarkets, and it said the most popular food in a supermarket, I can't remember which chain it was, but it was it was like sliced melon in, in, in plastic packaging. And when they broke it down, it was like the most, in terms of the value you got, you got like six little chunks of melon for about four quid, and you could buy about three proper melons that would last you, a, you know, a week or whatever. But yet, because it was so convenient for us just to buy it and pick it off the shelf, that's what that's what we do now, you know, in the West. It's just human nature because we're so in a rush or, or whatever's convenient, and it, it, it it's just I don't know, it fascinates me all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I could, I couldn't agree more. It's a fi- like you said, efficiency, convenience, um, and. There's usually ever usually a solution to something. If there isn't, and we throw our toys out the pram, I think is uh, is yeah. interesting to to hear that. Is that sort of why you like getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, pushing yourself through these different challenges? I mean, you, I've written down some of the ones that you you've spoken about, like the um, ice marathons in Antarctica and deepest underground marathons, which actually you you did with Sally Orange, who we've had on the podcast before, is who's a friend of Outside and Active. Um, one that I really wanted to ask you about, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro completely barefoot. Uh, I mean, a be- beautiful place in the world, beautiful mountain. Why did you decide to do it without, well, barefoot? <laughs> why not? I like, um, yes, um, <laughs> good answer. <laughs> you know, why, why do people do it with their shoes on? <laughs> um, no, um, to, to be honest, th- this one was actually a fundraising exercise, again, quite a long time ago, over 10 years ago now. And... Um, Two of my friends from the military, they were going to climb Kilimanjaro. They were doing it for a, a cancer charity because one of their, their family members had been affected. And I, actually, it was my first lesson or introduction to, to sort of what I would call serious fundraising, um, as opposed to, you know, mo- most fundraising consists of of, of putting a, a charity link on a, I don't know, a Facebook page and telling all your friends to donate. Whereas what I learned from, from the Kilimanjaro, we called it Barefoot Warrior, actually, and we give it a bit of identity. And I've sort of used that same, I guess, recipe ever since then, because what I what I found is that, as I said earlier, you don't have to be the best, the fittest, the fastest, the most incredible or whatever you do. But if you can be a little bit different and stand out, then and th- that can be quite interesting from a sort of public engagement perspective. And yeah, my, my, I told my friends, I said, let's climb it with no shoes on and, and call it something wacky like Barefoot Warrior. And they, they both thought it was ridiculous and crazy. And they said, no, no chance. We're not getting involved in that stupid idea, Jordan. And I said, well, well, I want to do it like that. And they said, well, okay, we'll support you and we'll go at your pace. Because obviously we were going to go a little bit slower. We were going the easiest route uh, uh, up Kilimanjaro. And yeah, we did it. But interesting for me is, you know, I, I built a little website or got someone to build me a website, give me a little logo, give it a bit of a brand in this expedition. And I raised like just over £70,000 and they wow. raised just under £1,000. But the only thing that we did differently was I had my shoes off and they had theirs on and we did everything else exactly the same. And that really made me realize that, that that you've just got to be different. You've got to be creative. You've got to, you know, capture your audience some way. And the same with everything that I've ever done since, from the Great British Paddle to rowing dangerously to running dangerously, uh, whatever it is, all these weird, wacky expeditions. That, that, I'd be careful what I say. I don't want to uh, do myself an injustice, but they're not that incredible. They're, they're just me. They're just me doing my bucket list of adventures. Um, and, and 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 a bit of a PR branding exercise yeah. that goes with it, um, and and I think that's the same with a, not not all expeditions, but a, but a, but a lot of successful expeditions. You know, anyone can do that. You know, it, of course, it takes a bit of work and a bit of prepping and planning and a bit of creativity. Um, but you get a good graphic designer, a web builder. All of these are possible for anyone. And actually, I would encourage it because you you can go from you know, making a couple of hundred pounds on a, on a charity page to making tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds just by being creative. Uh, and uh, so, so I, I think it's really important to share that, that message actually. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, that's really interesting. I mean, we're the outside and active team. We're taking on a, a, a challenge in September, raising money for youth adventure trust who do some great work supporting. Yeah. Charity. yeah. And uh, that's, that's good advice. I think we're going to take that on board. And obviously lots of people listening to this will be, marathon runners and adventurers that will do their own form of charity and fundraising as well and I think again just adding that different element adding a reason for people wanting you know wanting to get behind and support you um as raising money for charity during these always been during these adventures always been part of it or what where obviously it's a fantastic thing to do but is that just another 
element and motivational piece that helps you when you're going on these different yeah, no, challenges? Not, not, for me, it's, it's important. I think, I think if you, you know, I think to, to give back, it, it, it's quite selfish as well in, in many ways, because it gives you, it gives me, by helping other people, I get such a good feel good mm. factor, you know, by whether it's the cadets or building a school in Africa or whatever it is. I think I would always say as well, people often say to me, what should I fundraise for? I'm thinking about doing a challenge and, and who should I do it for? And, and I, I often say to my, I can't tell you who to do it for you because you, it has to come from inside. It has to come from the heart. And for me, helping young people and kids is, is something that I'm really passionate about. And, uh, you know, but you, you've got to choose what you, there are so many good causes and amazing charities out there. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to choose what you're passionate about. But But certainly when you're on a really enduring expedition where you've been, whatever it is, climbing or paddling for months on end and, and, and you're ready to go home and you've had enough at the end of every day, then it is for me, it's that purpose of why you're doing it that will carry you um, through those dark times and, and, and allow you to, to keep pushing forward even when you've had enough. Um, so I think the charity side is is one of the most important aspects of, a, of an adventure for me personally um, because it gives me that sense of purpose. And I think as a former soldier, when I left the military, you know, I don't know, 13 years ago now, I found it really difficult to find my my sense of purpose in life again after leaving. You know, the moment you take those medals off and stop polishing your boots and ironing your kit and all that, it, it, as much as it was a bit of a pain in the backside when you're doing it as a soldier, it's probably the biggest thing you miss when you're not a soldier. Um, it's a it's a funny old world, and I I I found through charity fundraising through adventure actually gives me what I had as a soldier, but probably even more in terms of sense of worthwhile and purpose and and making a difference in the world because i think as a soldier you know you you go to places like iraq or i don't know afghanistan or somewhere and you you actually hope that you've made a difference for the positive to the people's lives you know iraqis or afghans or whoever it is you've been you know you, you hear these horrific stories of, mm. of death and destruction but as a soldier you go there to try and have a positive change uh, you know implement something positive and and you, you know i met lots of some some amazing great local people in all these 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 countries and yeah, I, I never really found that again, but through fundraising with purpose for an adventure, you, you can really, I don't know, there's something quite special about it. And I imagine be because of who you are and what you do, you're presented with different ideas for adventures and challenges quite quite often. Do you have that, when you're selecting something or when you're thinking about something you're going to be doing in the future, that feeling in your stomach of, oh, actually, that's, that's quite a good idea. Like you said about uh, climbing up Kilimanjaro, but actually I'm going to do it without, you know, without shoes I'm going to do it barefoot because that's that's quite risky and challenging and exciting and different do you get that feeling as an adventurer yeah definitely I think I think you know you start looking at you know lots of adventures I'm sure like all of us I've got millions of ideas of adventures that I'd love to do uh, but also you know again it needs to be some of these adventures cost you know going to Antarctica it's, it's going to cost you I don't know thirty thousand dollars probably yeah. as, as a, at the cheapest level um, you know up to a hundred thousand plus depending on what you're doing in Antarctica and to convince someone to invest in your idea or, or, or your expedition it needs to be quite special and and and, and it's you know because they're going to want a return on that investment somewhere along the line so you have to be creative and i think that's why you shouldn't if you're trying to take adventure seriously for most people are happy to put a, a, a charity link out and go and have a bit of fun because the way i the way i'm talking about now it, it's not necessarily fun but it's like a job it's work it's it's I, I find it fun and enjoyable but for most people that would be a lot of effort and hassle yeah. if you're not that way inclined but but you know most of my days are, are, are filled with speaking to sponsors updating websites brochures and things and pitching myself to, to different people and um, but 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 I think if you can think of something that's going to capture the not only the imagination of sponsors who are hopefully going to pay for your trip, but also if you're trying to fundraise for charity, I always think about the media. What are the media going to like? What is going to go viral on a social channel? Or what is BBC News or Sky News or Good Morning Britain? What do they want? And that's where if you if you work out that recipe, the rest of it becomes quite easy because if you can sell your story quickly. To, to the mainstream media, they, that fundraising will just go through the roof without you even posting a link. But, you know, if they post your link to 60 million viewers yeah. at prime time, eight in the morning while everyone's having the cornflakes, that saves you a whole lot of work, you know. And, and, it, and it is, it's trying to find that balance, but it's about relationships as well, you know, because when you set off on a an expedition, you want to hopefully be able to send an email or pick up a phone or send a, a WhatsApp to a, 
a journalist or a news presenter that you, and, and say, can we get on the TV tomorrow morning? And and that requires a lot of time investment of building relationships over many years to get to, to get to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, as I say, I'm, I'm talking about adventure from a career perspective, not, you know, and I don't want to take, I, I don't want people to think, take the fun out of adventure by doing this, you, you know, because no. adventure, adventure is, is, it's not a place for me. It's a spirit. It's, 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 it's something, it's, it's a way of living. It's, it's a mantra, really. It's not a, it's not about going somewhere and doing something. It's about a way of life, I think, more than anything. But have you found that over the sort of 10, 15, last 10, 15 years that, brands and sponsors have been more willing to support people like yourselves that do this for a living to, you know, because obviously they see the exchange that they will be getting out of it later down the line. But obviously it's so important for people like you to be doing what you're doing that they're open, more open to be doing that. No, de- definitely. I think I, I I would call myself a micro influencer. You, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not a superstar of social media or anything. But what 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 I have with my audience, what's interesting for certain brands is is most of my audience are are, are quite a specific demographic. They're people who like the outdoors. They're, they're they're young people who who maybe they're involved in things like cadets or scouts or youth adventure trust, whatever it might be, Duke of Edinburgh awards. Yeah. So I I. I I have a collective audience of, of people and, and, and as, as a result of that as well, that's why, you know, everything I do, I try to be very clean. You know, you'll never see me using any any bad language on, on, on social media or getting into politics or religion or debate. I, I, I'm very conscious of anything I post because I know there are a lot of young people potentially looking at that and, and I want to make sure that they take something positive or inspiring or encouraging from that. So, um you know, most of the brands that I work with, I I, I, I I try to work with companies that or brands that I share the same values as, not just somebody who wants to put a logo on me or, or you know, and take a picture and, and, and offer a discount code. That's not really of interest to me. For me, I, I companies like, I don't know, off the top of my head, Bremont uh, Watches or Montaigne. Montaigne is a great outdoor brand and the way that they've built an amazing community of ambassadors and we all try our best to help each other and we try to tackle issues like sustainability, for example, and 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 looking at ourselves inwardsly and saying what can we do to make the make the world a better place. And 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 I think you have to you have to live by your values when you're looking at brands to work with because otherwise it's very short lived. I don't want someone to sponsor me once and never see them again. I want to build a relationship for many years to come, and hopefully whatever we do together i want to represent you to the best of my ability i i want i want to be proud to fly your flag i want people to look at me and go oh he's he's a montane ambassador and i want to i want to go and buy kit because he shares the same values as us not just because it looks good on a on an instagram post or whatever you know i so i i i think values again have got to be at the core of everything you do if you want long term if you want longevity in whatever it is you're trying to achieve i think it's very easy to sell sell yourself you get lots of offers on social media it'll offer you free kit you know i the amount of offers you get for something free every day through something like instagram or facebook but for for, for what for you know again you living by your values if you're going to take something for, and post about it for me i have to have tried and tested it i have to have known that if I'm climbing up a mountain or hanging off a, you know, edge of a cliff in the Himalayas or whatever it might be, I need to know that that's not that's going to work and that's going to be good for, for for whatever they're saying it's good for. And that's why Montaigne, you know, we go and test a lot of kit in, in places like the High Arctic or or or, or Antarctica, and we, and we don't post about it until we've we've actually gone and tested it ourselves. And the same with with a, a Bremont watch or whatever it might be, they'll they'll give it us for for an expedition, and then we'll talk about what we learned from it afterwards. Not go and post it when you get it. You know, it might not be a year or two years later till we're actually trying to promote the mm. product. And, and I, I think that's that's really important. Um, when and you have to pick your pick the brands that you work with, so 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 you share the same values as as I say. And they'll appreciate that because they know that your audience will trust you, and your audience will, you know, you know that you're building that relationship. And we we've worked with Mon, with Montaigne, and they're a fantastic brand. Really, really you know, interesting hearing you talk about um, how it's so important for the brands to have the the shared values that you do because it's so important it's you don't want it to just become a, a farcical sort of promotion like you've said you've said before people will know you from your adventures people will also know you from um from hunted and the incredibly entertaining tv show that that is for people that don't know what it is what is hunted what's your involvement with it and, and how how i guess did you get involved with that show 
Um, Hunted is a uh, Hunted and Celebrity Hunted. It's a Channel Four or two Channel Four TV shows, and essentially, it's like a. I guess in in the simplest form, it's like a, a a giant game of hide and seek around the whole UK, <laughs> um, where we get to uh, myself and my colleagues who are all ex military, ex police, law enforcement, intelligence services. We we get to go and chase um, a group of people who are on the run. They're not real fugitives, I must add. They're normal members of society who have, who have volunteered to go on the Make run. Make that very clear. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't try and take them out if you see them. You know. Um, but yeah, we, we you know they have to survive on the run for the best part of a month, and if they get to the end, they win a hundred thousand pound. And our job is to use all the skills that we've learned, whether it's through the military or adventure or policing, um, to, to try and tackle them. You know, and we'll interrogate their family members, we will hack their social media, um, you know, CCTVs watching them everywhere, and automatic number plate recognition, facial recognition, every piece of piece of modern technology you can think of is is helping us do this, and. Yeah, it's it's as I said earlier. I don't I don't buy a lot into celebrity culture, but what Hunted has given me is a good platform to do some good in the world, and um, I think that that's one of the, that's one of the great positives of, of for me of being on the show is that it, it's allowed me to, to to help build my profile, which then in turn has allowed me to do more things with young people. But it is. It is, it is is a bit heartbreaking when you you know you're speaking to a, I don't know a school or a youth group and you want to talk about your expeditions and all they want to know is is the latest Love Islander that you've caught on hunted or, or whatever it might be it's it's a, it's a killer frustrating <laughs> reflection of society unfortunately um, but it, it's an amazing show and also the celebrity version does it for. Uh, Stand Up to Cancer, which yeah. is another incredibly important charity. Uh, all the celebrities on that show, they they donate their fees as well, which is amazing and, and, and great of them. So, yeah, it's it, it's a fun show, and I, I guess I got into it through being ex-military. I I worked in I, I wasn't in the special forces or anything like that, but I worked in military intelligence and operations uh, in an intelligence cell, and I use those skills, um, you know, unhunted to a certain extent. Um, but it's a TV show, it's entertainment, and it's it's it's, it's a big adventure for me that's the way i see it yeah it's another example of you've spoken out throughout this of taking opportunities and i, I guess it's a bit of fun as well and again like you said growing the platform to be able to do the, the, the amazing things that you do and and, and speak to the to, to young people like you do which all culminates into you know you you were awarded this uh, the beginning of this year at an mbe uh, which is must be such a fantastic feeling for you i mean where were you when you found out about that and I guess what was your initial reaction because it must be quite strange to, to to be contacted and told about that oh yeah honestly it still blows me I'm still gobsmacked today um I'm so humbling to, to 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 be you know awarded an MBE from from His Majesty the King especially I think as a former soldier to be you know to be to, to be honored in that way is yeah. is is amazing and i've always been someone if i'm really honest to steer away from awards and and, and recognition in in the public eye i've many a times i've 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 pulled out of awards because i i sometimes feel that it takes away from what what it's all about sometimes when you accept awards and things and especially you know in the fundraising sector I, 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 yeah, I have many times said I just don't want to be involved, not for for negative reasons, just because I just doesn't. It's not. It's, it's not why well. I've done something. Mm. Yeah, and 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 I got the phone call and 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 telling me this information about two weeks before, and I genuinely thought it was a hoax. I thought someone was winding me up, and uh, they said you can send an email to the the Foreign and Commonwealth Office where because I was awarded it from the on the overseas list for my work in on the Horn of Africa, um, and 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 they give me this email. And I sent an email just checking it's not a hoax, and then some really important person messaged me back saying no. Uh, <laughs> on letterhead we can confirm it's all real and genuine and don't worry lots of people think it's a, a hoax when they get this this call um but yeah i i again i blown away and i don't really know what to say about it except for i'm so humble but i hope that i can use it to hopefully do more more things for for again it comes with responsibility i think yeah. you know to be awarded something like that from from his majesty the king it, for me, it just spurs me on to want to do more, especially for people like the cadets and and, and young youth organisations, um, because it just shows people that it doesn't matter where you start in life or or where you've come from. It's about the direction of travel. It's about where you're going, and and anybody can achieve anything if you're willing to put in in the hard yards. So coming up in the near future, as well as going and speaking to uh, to the cadets and and all the work that you do, what what else have you got planned that you can talk about? Um, I'm sure. You, you are a busy man. I'm sure there's other things that uh, that are on the, f 
the forefront of your mind? Yeah, lots of lots of um, adventure projects coming up this year. Um, some local and some overseas. I'm I'm going to be 40 this year, so I'm going to um, I'm probably going to. I've been wanting to do the Alcatraz swim um, in San Francisco, so I'll probably do that on my 40th birthday. I've been looking at it for a few years. Um, I'm working on a project for next year. I can't say too much at this stage because it's not been announced, but it's it's going to be uh, an, an epic adventure. It's going to be um, it, it's going to tick a lot of boxes for me personally from sort of. Um, young people, education to doing uh, an epic, enduring adventure, but also um, linking back to my hometown in Blackpool. Um, it's, I'm going to try and promote sustainability. That's going to be at the core of this next expedition. Um, I, I went to the. I was trying to get to the North Pole for the last five years, and I, I sort of give up uh, a couple of months ago when I was in Svalbard in the high Arctic. And I decided, because actually that was the 10th marathon out of the 10 cold marathons was the North Pole marathon. And when I was up there, I met a lot of interesting people and, and they sort of spoke out about the climate issues. And when you're in the high Arctic as well, it's, you know, it's heating up faster than I think anywhere else on earth at the moment. And it just made me think about my own sort of carbon footprint and, and the fact that I do these great adventures and I'm very privileged, but actually I'm a big, I, I, I'm, I'm almost criminal in, in the, 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 the aviation emissions that I've been part of flying around the world every, every other week or whatever. So it's made me, it's made me look at myself, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect or I'm green, I'm super green or anything, but what I want to do is I want to, to, to learn about sustainability. I want to help educate young people about sustainability and I want to take on an adventure or an expedition that has sustainability at the heart, which will then will allow me to learn about it and educate people in a fun way. Um, as I say, I'm not saying I'm super green, but I'm, I'm committed to learning more and, and to sort of um, being more greener, that's for sure. Well, listen, Jordan, this conversation has been full of some incredible anecdotes and also learning points and logistical things that people that are listening to this can can implement into their own lives and think about and take away and I'm very grateful for you to for coming on and having this conversation and and I'm looking forward to following along and everyone listening following along what you've got coming up over the next year or two there's only really one thing left um to offer for someone who'll be coming on to the podcast in the near future. And that's a piece of advice. I offered you some at the beginning and now is your opportunity to pass some along through the medium of podcasting. <laughs> what advice would I share for the next person? It's been, it's um, been full of loads. <laughs> it's been full of loads, but I need, <laughs> I need that, that little, little piece of golden information. Yeah, I think, I think, well, firstly, thank you for, for inviting me on the podcast. It's, it's always a privilege um, to, to speak and amazing work. What, what you guys do with all the events, incredible. Um, my piece of advice would be actually something that I, I share to a lot of young people, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a simple guy from Blackpool, so it's, I call it my ABC rule. But the, the first bit, the thing for me is A is for attitude. I think attitude is one of the few things that, regardless of qualifications or experience, will take you further than anything in life. I think attitude is absolutely everything, uh, the way you approach things. B is for, for build relationships everywhere you go because relationships often turn into great opportunities, um, uh, you, you know, as they evolve and develop. And C is is continued professional development, you know, have that, which links into attitude. It's about never stopping learning, regardless of who you are, where you're from, what you do, uh, never stop learning. So attitude, build relationships, continue professional development. Amazing. I really look forward to passing that along. Jordan, thank you so much. No, thank you. Cheers, Dom. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the ONA podcast with Jordan Wiley. If you're listening and you're thinking, I know someone who would enjoy it just as much as I did, then please forward this episode on to them and let's grow this outside and active community. Don't forget, this just isn't our first episode. We have tons and tons of outdoor and active guests that you can go back through the back catalogue now and listen to. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And you can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, be outside, be active. We'll be back next week with another episode and another and fantastic guest. But until that time, I've been Dominic Brown. Enjoy the outdoors.